Okay, so I'm trying to close. Casino? I'm here. Okay. My internet did a thing while ago. Alright, you know what? Let's just fucking start this. Um, yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to Like A Real Book Club, a podcast from Rebel Women Lit, where we talk about books and just about everything else, Like A Real Book Club. I'm Jerrine. I'm Christina. And I'm Ashley. Alright, so today we are all recording from home, thanks to COVID-19. Fun times. (laughs) So... Uh, but we're gonna talk a bit about the Confessions of Franny Langton, which was last month's book club pick. Uh, we had some pretty good book club meetings. It was pretty fun, and it was a very, for me, it was a very unusual and incredible read. And I felt like a huge history buff while reading it. Uh, how was it for you guys? Very. Very good book by Sarah Collins. Uh, didn't expect her writing style, which was very poetic, very, I don't know, fluid. This story was definitely not something that I expected at all, um, especially the way it started out. And um, you're think when you read the title, Confessions, you're not expecting it to go in the way that it did. Um, And I really appreciated that. And I appreciated, of course, how well researched this book was. Um, We've talked about it a lot, especially during book club, about how Sarah um, clearly did very extensive research when she was writing this. And I sincerely appreciated that because there are some authors who (laughs) think that their opinion is fact and their opinion is history and just write based on that. And I'm glad that she didn't do that. But I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Uh, it surprised me. Nice. Well, I'm different from both of you guys. I only started reading the book today. Um, I wanted to read it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Ashley. Yes. Ashley, what? Yeah, no, that's some level of carelessness, bro. Minute <laughs> Oh, you deserve a 10 minute drag right Christina, now. Christina, Christina, I know you just start Bookstagram, but Masu read it. And my soon just came. No, my soon no, 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 just no, no, no. Came. no, no, no. <laughs> if you came to book club, you'd realize that several of us got dragged for not finishing the book. So you need yeah. to now. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm accepting it. I it wasn't because I didn't Girl. try to read it. I was I really wanted to get it um get a physical copy of the book, but all the copies were sold out at Kingston Book Club. Yeah, Kingston Book Club, Kingston Bookstore, uh, or shop, whatever. And um, I wasn't able to get a copy anywhere else, and so I tried to. I didn't. I didn't get the Kindle, and um, yeah, I just was Borrow like, it? okay, well, I guess. I didn't know who to borrow from. People were reading it for book club. The book club? People were reading it. Yeah, the library copies were out. They, <laughs> yes, it said so. Shake I I follow head. the 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 sh- the page, you know. It, yeah. I keep Shake I keep updated. Head. Anyway, so um, because of uh, COVID nineteen. Wow. 
It's okay. Wow. You know, um, does she start the safe space for people that don't read quickly and all sorts of things? And not even a blah, day blah, later, blah. you hear dragging blah, Ashley. Tell me about these hypocrites and opportunists. Blah, Listen blah, to me. Jaren, you never hear a woman say, My soon just come when I ask her about. She never just start yeah. book club, bookstagram. Yeah, she, she'll just look followers. Yep. Right? <laughs> get those free books. <laughs> Look at me, Listen. guys. I'm different. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I, I felt so seen when you, when, you, when you make you something. That was the point. It was but a ruse all this time. It was. It was. All 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, follow I just my started Instagram, guys. No. I follow him, <laughs> boy. <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah, yeah. I'm listening to the audio book, of course, and I like it so far. I'm at about chapter five. I know there's like fifty-five chapters or something like that, so I'm nowhere near the end. But uh, I like it. What's happening? And, uh, the part of the story you are. What's happening? Well, with I'm learning about uh, what's your name. Um, God, the what? What Bertha? No, not Bertha. That's not it. Fibber. What's the name of the? No, what's the name of the white lady? Miss Bella. Miss Bella. 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 Um, there's a lot about her, and uh, there's just a lot about. I I found myself chuckling at parts when they talk about. Um, there's a line that says the worst thing in the world is when a, a white woman is a bored. A white woman who's bored. Uh, <laughs> That was That's really funny. Several of our favorite lines. That is yeah. so funny. <laughs> and uh, I like Fibo a lot. Uh, um, and just Franny's character. She's uh, she's going back and forth between being a teenager, not a teenager, like a young girl on the plantation and uh, in the courtroom. And so mm-hmm. just uh, hearing those two worlds and hearing her accounts of what life was like when she was in Jamaica is interesting. Um, but I like the book so far. I think, uh, like, I was multitasking when I... What is that scratching sound? Sorry, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, are you filing your nails, Christina? Yeah. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> anyway... Um. Uh. Yeah, she's uh, going back and forth. Uh, um. Between like her, you know, like her life in Jamaica and her life now, present day, which is her on trial, and uh, I like it. I think uh, it's something I can easily finish in the next few days because the it's an easy listen and it's uh, read by Sarah herself, which is cool. This is the first time I'm reading an audiobook that's being read by the author. So, Ashley, yeah. you were saying that you can finish this book in a few days, but just really, not in February. So. Yeah, I didn't have access to it in February. <laughs> I have access to it now. I have extra time. Oh, no. So, I can, box it. I can box it off in a few days. <laughs> By the way, Mr. Langston is awful. I hate him. Langton. He's awful. Langton, sorry. Awful. 
Yeah, he's a despicable human being. They all are, but... Sounds about white. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They all are very disgusting. It's just that he's the most, I guess, overtly awful human being. And you know what I hate, um, which I think Sarah captures really well in the book, is just this the sort of audacity that white men have um this this what would you call it this overinflated ego this uh, higher sense of self and intelligence um actually obviously we're going to ruin the book for you no but... you won't guys how many times do i have to tell you that i love spoilers okay that's really so not normal how is it not normal? Why would I'm you sure love it? Spoil- spoilers, why would- no, why would you love spoilers? That, that makes I, okay, like, maybe oh not God, love, but I don't mind it. Happen in the book. <laughs> I think, no, you see, the only time I was, I could feel myself disappointed by getting a spoiler was when we were reading Girl Woman Although and we were meeting up to record and I had just finished or I was almost about finished reading mm-hmm. Cheryl's mother's story. I forget her name. And Manavano says she was in things with Winsome. Cheryl Husband. Yeah, yeah Winsome. Yeah, that, that's when Christina told me. When Christina told me, my mouth dropped open. I was just like, "Oh my God, what?" But I would not too. have known. <laughs> I don't think anyone reading that book saw that coming. No, oh nobody, my God, nobody. When it started, when it started, what I thought was just, you know, maybe she's this older woman who maybe her husband isn't sexually satisfying her anymore. And here is her daughter with her body man. And so she is, you know, having lustful fantasies. And I thought that was fine. Only for Winsome come say, yeah, I did my man fair good year. I'm still shocked by that, honestly. <laughs> Anyways, um, maybe before you get into the audacity of white people, Christina, you can do a summary of the book oh, so yes. that we can just spoil it for everybody and done. And then we get to <sighs> okay. talk to, about it. So, The Confessions of Franny Langton, I think the title sort of gives it away about the type of book that it is. So, Franny Langton is a mulatto, or mulatta, as the book says, um, in 1820s Jamaica and then England. She is on trial for the murder of her master and her mistress. Now, the book... Um, the style that Sarah uses to um, tell this story is when she is in, when Franny is in the courtroom in England, as well as her um, looking back into her life. So we meet her first when she's a, she's at the Paradise Estate in Jamaica. Um, we see where she was a young girl and she was invited to be a house girl. I think that's it. She was invited to be. She was someone almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the the plantation owner, or well, would he be considered an owner or an overseer? He's an owner. He was the owner. He was His the owner. Dead and left it. Yeah, he just wasn't into okay. the agricultural business per se. Uh, yeah. I was trying to remember how Miss Bella's brother 
um, what his relation. I believe he was an him. investor. I may be wrong oh, about this, okay. but that's what yeah, I'm remembering. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashley can so remind we, us. We, but yeah so we meet we meet franny when she's a young girl and she becomes the the she becomes a host girl and then through that meetup we get to meet several other characters we meet fibber who is the longtime um host servant is that what they would call them to miss bella and mr langton and we meet Langton, who is a, I don't know what one call himself. He thinks he's a scientist, but sis really not have the science brain. But, um, oh God, the night is so hot. Uh, right. So Langton, he, he wants to prove so badly um, why black people are subordinate. And so... What he's been doing is trying to get money from an investor in England to continue to do research and experiment on black bodies. And that experiment first started out with cadavers, but then it very quickly moved to experimentation on live people. Um, but outside of that, we also get um, a bit of insight into the relationship or well the the experiences of miss bella on this plantation in jamaica and i found that very interesting too because um typically when we when we learn about journal or well in history the sort of journals that we get are journals from the white perspectives like somebody like miss bella there's one um what's that um famous one lady nugent Lady Nugent journals, and you can borrow it from the Rebel Women Lit Library if you want. Oh, I actually will. I remember hearing about it, but I don't think I've ever actually read it. I've only read like snippets from it. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a we get an insight into into her daily life, and I think Sarah did that in such a wonderful way, and I thought it was very important that she did that because then we got that very famous quote about you know there's. I have it somewhere in my Kindle, but that there's nothing more terrifying than a white woman who's bored. And we see um, what happens when she gets bored. We see her treatment of Frances or Franny, and I guess, and later to understand why her treatment of Franny was so terrible. I think I have a hunch as somebody who's just started, but I won't say. <laughs> And then, so for a lot of it, um, for a lot of the book, it's really, it's, it's a journey through Franny's life from that point on until um, we're there at the, the trial scene. We see where when she becomes a teenager, I think it was around 18 or so, um, she moves to England um, by force by, with Mr. Langton. And she ends up being sold to this very rich man, Mr. Benham, who is Langton's partner in this sort of experimentation to prove that black people are actually subhuman. But, and this, this part was very interesting to me, or well, I think it was a really good point, was how um, Benham, he seems to have this idea that his approach or his 
way of proving that black people are subordinate and subhuman is far more sophisticated than Langton's experiments. And this is the part about um, white men's audacity, because at the end of the day, regardless of the approach that you're taking, what you're doing is still dehumanizing an entire race of people and propping up white supremacy and racism. But, you know, white people, not, no, let me not say that. But white men and their audacity continue to prove to be um, the thing that kills us all. So we see Franny in England, and then we see this sort of new woman she becomes even more um interested and curious in learning and wanting to learn more because there was this idea that once you're a black person who steps into england you automatically become free and we get to realize that that was not franny's fate she was sold again into um this um, other type of subservience to become a maid to this family and then the relationship between her and her mistress begins to develop and when I say relationship I'm not, necess- I'm not even talking about romantic relationship here we see where Franny sort of starts to adore this woman because this woman took an interest in her and that was something that was clearly very important to Franny because for most of her life no one has ever taken an interest in her as a person no one has ever taken an interest an interest in her as a human being with her own thoughts and her own ideas and so she sort of grew this sort of um adoration for this white woman and then she realized, she began to realize that that adoration moved beyond just platonic. It became romantic. And so we see the exploration of that relationship. And we can talk ad nauseum about that relationship because, wow. But um, we see where it develops. We see where she becomes a little, I don't know if obsessed is the word, um, but she she loves her so much and i don't even know if it's actual love but uh, she she feels very strongly about um what's her name again marguerite um meg i don't remember her full name i, I just yeah. remember her in my head yeah. as meg <laughs> but yeah they she 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 becomes so infatuated with meg that she she's outside of her duty as Meg's lady-in-waiting, she sort of becomes Meg's savior, Meg's literally everything. Meg begins to use her, to to use her in the way that she's been using drugs. And drug use is very liberal in this book, just like in A Girl, Woman, Other, very liberal. Yes, um, they were talking about giving sick people cocaine. And I was just, just like, oh, girl. okay. Like, this is just recreational use. It's very very recreational recreational drugs of of opium. Nice. Yeah. So, um, and of course, because she's on trial, she it's because she killed someone. Uh, Again, gonna ruin that for everyone. She, um, Franny, ends up killing her master. Um, 
but her mistress also dies and she gets she goes on trial for the murder for the murder of both of them and so that's the present day that we're seeing the story from we're seeing the story from her being in prison um awaiting trial her lawyer trying to build her case as well as um abolitionists trying to advocate for her and i put advocate in quotes because from her writing we can understand that she knows that they're not necessarily advocating for her but it's more of a white savior kind of thing they want to they want to use her story for their own benefit um they want to get the most gruesome um suffering details to to advance their abolitionist movement and um that's one of the core things that i think that comes out of this story um through sarah's writing it's that uh, uh the abolitionist movement that we know of um it was a very white-led movement and it was still one that was sort that was um that served a sort of white gaze um a sort of savior complex where they don't necessarily care about um, enslaved enslaved people as human beings, but it's more of a just a thing that they want to do. So yeah, that's the confessions of Franny Lanta. In a nutshell, thanks, Christina. <laughs> that was really good, Christina. Yeah. Uh, what were your hmm, what were your first impressions of it? I. I... Yeah, what were your first impressions? And how long did it take for you to get through the book? Can I go since um, my first impressions are super sure. fresh? Yes, sure. Cool. <laughs> sure. It's going to take two seconds anyway. So. Wow. Wow. I, I thought this was a safe space. I really thought Christina was trying to create a safe space for slow readers. Exactly. She's just doing it for the gram. <laughs> Christina. I'm wow. sorry. Sorry, love you, Ashley. <laughs> I can make a comparison between the white abolitionists and you making a bookstagram for slow readers. It's just I feel for like you. that is the biggest stretch I've heard. Oh, oh, <laughs> the reach. She was just my god. <laughs> she was just talking about how it's really for them and Christina. I Girl. thought I was safe. Anyway, Girl, you know anyway. I love you. Take your time, I love you. I'm gonna be done by the weekend, okay? Sunday, check back with Don't me on them Sunday. <laughs> Must read it anyway. <laughs> um. Uh yeah. So first impressions. Um, I've laughed a lot. Um, while listening to this, because I think Franny is funny. She, I like that she's smart. I like that they tell a lot. They they dive into her personal history they talk about her um how she started getting to read and how she would just eat up books and uh, she kind of like reminds me of uh, i don't know why i had this image of harry potter in my head when she was talking about how she was underneath some staircase reading or reading the book and then somebody found her lang langton found her but I think I, when I'm listening to this book, I have a lot of images that pop up into my head. And I like Fiba a lot. I see her as like a very wise um, lady who is showing her the ropes. I have a hunch about her. Is she actually Franny's mom? 
Yeah, yeah, she I, is. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I um, loved Fibber. Oh gosh, she's my favorite. She's she's yeah, she's great. And um, I I would continue reading this book. It's not boring at all. Um, there's a lot of suspense too. Um, I like that they go back and forth between the trial and also like her reminiscing about her days or reflecting about her um, life in Jamaica. And uh, um, so, yeah, that's my little synopsis for, of the book so far. I love that the story was authentically the, like it was Franny's story and how insistent she was that the story be, um, that her, her, her confession be completely hers, that she's not going to twist it in any sort of an appeasing way. She's not going to oversell a point that um, that wasn't her. She wanted to ensure that everything she was, everything she did, everything she thought, it was really and authentically her. And we talked about this in book club where one of the great things about... Um, slave narratives in history is that it does a good job of reminding us that uh, enslaved people were in fact people and we see that with Franny. Franny is an entire human being and she she is so much more different than what we than what we would typically associate when we think about um, enslaved people. She's somebody who is so hungry and thirsty for knowledge, as Ashley said. She's somebody who she wants to learn more and she wants to experience so much. And she she's very curious about the world and what the world has to offer. She's funny. And then we see later in the books where she is, you know, she's she's a snob she she's um she's somebody who is very smart and she thinks anybody who isn't as smart as her is just an idiot and we see that a lot of the times how she she sort of tricks um these white people who are so amused by this by this black person who can read and speak quote unquote well and we see where she she plays into it but it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing i don't know if i'm using that phrase correctly but she she knows that they think this is amusing and so she plays into it for her own amusement and that just proves how very smart she is so that's one of my absolute favorite things about it and uh, that was that's one of my f- first impressions as well it's it's not the sort of um quote unquote slave story that we come to know it's not your your typical slave story or slave narrative and i really love that uh, that sarah did that because again we tend to see these stories as monolithic we tend to th- to see them as uh, um not even having personalities um not people who are interested in things or would have been interested in things and here we have this this young woman who she she want to learn more and she want things and she's also a girl clone and we see that very clearly <laughs> i completely enjoyed that as and she wasn't likable a lot of the times and i like that like she's likable but sometimes she never likable and i really enjoyed that because i like when when black women especially get to be unlikable so yeah 
Nice. You, Jerrine. <laughs> I feel like you guys did a lot in terms of how I felt about Franny. I love unlikable, smart, witty, and faced characters, and Franny was all of that. And so was her mom, who we didn't find out was her mother until much later, um, who was also very smart, intelligent, and very faced. Never give a fuck. <laughs> like gave the right amount of fucks until it was just so tiring to not give fucks anymore yeah. so i i love that and i love the layers that came with this story so even the line that is i i'm going to say it's the most prolific line in the book is that there's nothing more dangerous than a white woman than when she's bored or i, mm-hmm. I feel like i'm misquoting it but i feel like that in itself <laughs> that in itself added so many layers to the story because it just kept on ringing in my head and then when Miss Bella years later writes to Franny was, I don't know if it was years later but it was much later writes to Franny yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah then yeah, that, yeah. that 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 what Fibber said really came back to me because she mm-hmm. would have seen what it's like to have Miss Bella do very dangerous awful things when yeah. she's bored and how disposable black bodies black people Tied black women yeah. are yeah. and it just felt so real because it reminds me to this day of black women not white women that i know white women are fucking dangerous when they're bored they they will <laughs> white women are in a class of their own so whereas Christina you found the audacity of white men to be the thing I think what stood out to me was just the white women in this book and how they were so acutely aware of how to manipulate people and how to always get mm-hmm. if they're not getting what they want then everyone else your life is going to be miserable and you are disposable. I think one of the things I really liked, I, I found most frustrating and I liked was included was Meg as a character. Yeah. She is the most quintessential French woman who's very eclectic and strange, but also seemingly very attractive and everyone loves her and she has all of these quirky things and a drug habit. So, and it's something that I could see someone like Franny falling in love with. It's it's someone who is this strange, rebellious character who also finds an interest in you. And Franny falls for it and falls for it really hard. And Meg was just, she was a complete manipulative awful woman so she plays with Fran- oh, I don't know if she knows yeah I do think she plays with Franny's emotions a lot and she was she very plays. much wanted everything to be centered around her life her problems why she struggles as a woman she was the white feminist who thought that yo we're all in this together as women. I'm like, how can you look at your servant and say we're all in this together? You don't even treat your other like... white servants <laughs> properly. So she had other white women who were working for her and she treated them less than. So it was just the amazing, just the, I think the amazing characters that 
Sarah Collins was able to represent in this in this book. Everyone represented very strong characters, very strong, mm-hmm. just a very strong representation of people and ideologies. And I, I absolutely love that. I love that Langton had a completely different ideology than Benham and they both wanted the institution of slavery to continue but one just thought they were more humane than others um Benham was a scientific racist but he decided that it was craniums that mattered not so much skin color and it was just you it's the same coin so I, I love it that really I, I loved yeah I love this book I I adore this book so much and it's I am so glad that she did the research and wrote this piece because the personalization of history was something that from the get-go I appreciated to the end to think that okay you heard of how many years and how many hundreds of thousands of black bodies that would have suffered through the slave trade but you don't think about the different personalities, the different interests, just that these people had lives. They they were people. <laughs> they're, they're not people in the oh in the human rights kinda put on a postal sense. It's that they were legit people, like people that you could have known and said mm-hmm. Yeah man, I saw him stay. People that you could have disliked too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think um back to Marguerite or Meg or whatever her name is she I think too that she she was very aware of her power and that's another thing that when we think about whiteness and white women they are typically aware of power that they hold and they wield that power um, one for sympathy as we see a lot with Meg. So right? And then them just go on like, so they're the weakest thing ever. Exactly. It's, it's so annoying. Like, exactly. The woman so she, is she, your closest slave for how much years. All I wipe your back to you. And she's been put yo. to death. You know that she didn't commit the crime. But, oh, you know, I, 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 I couldn't bother. Like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. And um, not just, like, so I, I'm here thinking about um, how for a lot of the times Meg, she she was suffering under the weight of um, being a trophy wife. Yeah? Um, and she she, tend, she tended to use um, to use Franny as sort of her, her escape from that sort of life and that sort of feeling. But the thing that I realized too, especially when we talk about white feminism and what and how dangerous white feminism can be, is that just like Jorian said, she has this idea that because we're women, um, we all of our problems are the same. Um, my my free, my freedom means your freedom too, and that sort of bullshit. And she never ever. Um, she never ever considered the actual station that Franny occupied. But also, oh God, I just lost my train of thought. Come back. Come back. Come back, brain. Ugh. Okay, I lost it. 
like Christina. It. Right, it's, it's, okay. It's, it's not. It's not gonna come back. God damn it! All right. Well, I can. Can I talk no, about one of the moments? So, like, um, a scene, um, in the book when because of boredom to um god i keep forgetting her name what's the white lady's name again miss bella bella i keep wanting to say bertha for some reason so miss bella (laughs) told fibble to flog franny franny i felt like yeah that was one of the ways where she was using you guys are talking a lot about uh, them there's a disconnect between obviously because there's a power dynamic but uh, um that instance of her command using her power to command fable to do something that will inflict harm on on franny shows just how cruel they can still be despite the fact that there's so much intimacy in the type of relationship that they have in terms of how mm. Fibo is, is forced to care for this lady she's her she's her her master and so like that that level of uh, order just because she felt like uh, she I don't think uh, I what what happened in that scene again uh I just listened to it. How did I forget already? Yeah, honestly, anyway, if, do you guys remember? You don't remember oh, at I all the she scene? Spill, I, did she spill the the tea? Or, or was it the book? Or that never yeah. come yet? Like she, she messed up she the book. Something and it messed up the book. Yeah. And then um, Fibo was saying how she should go. She, I don't remember. Fibo said something that caused the um miss bella to say then you should oh no fibo said that she should be flogged and then because i think she was trying to protect her from learning how to read because that was that okay that was what um miss bella had that was a prop that was the proposition that was made to franny that miss bella would teach her how to read and she was extremely excited about that because obviously she'd be able to get an education and uh, fibo was hesitant of this because she said that if uh, Langton saw her reading or knew that she had any sort of knowledge that would make her a target and so she said she she used that opportunity to be like she needs to be punished for doing this bad thing which was um which was destroying the book and then miss bella used that opportunity to be like okay well you beat her and i think that was a curveball that she wasn't expecting um so i think that that was one of the i mean again i'm just starting the book but that that was one of the indications to me that this is not this uh, this kind like ambivalent uh, um uh slave master who you know they they can just talk about whatever um even though um franny did say that fibble she could get away with uh, she never got away with a lot of things. Like she got flogged for a lot of petty things, but she could always get away with chatting shit, basically, because that was the only way that uh, this lady was entertained. And I, I find that, uh, I find that really interesting. That point that was made. But I always feel like 
So when I was reading, especially Miss Bella's part, it reminded me of the nonfiction book I read last year. They were her property. I'm trying to remember who wrote that. Dr. Stephanie E. Jones Rogers. So who's clicking away? Who's typing? Me. Please mute your mic when you're typing. It kind of sounds like. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just unmute when you're ready again. No problem. Uh, so I need to also stop where I'm typing. I'll just call it. <laughs> All right. So there were her property, which chronicles it's African-American. Well, it's American based and it's about women who owned slaves in the U S because I think a lot of feminist narratives that I, I especially grew up hearing was that women didn't own property that property was passed down through men and Mm -hmm. women stayed at home and they didn't work and there are so many disconnects with that for me one of it was that black women never got a chance to stay home and be a housewife you were always working (laughs) most of the time unpaid but you were working um but then this book really highlighted the integral role of white well, mostly white women in the slave trade. So women who would own shipping companies, women that would own slaves, women that would own um, um, trade houses where people could come, women who controlled prostitution houses for slaves and all, all sorts of things where it was, it was largely a common thing where men, well, fathers would pass down land through the name of their sons however the slaves on the property would always go to the daughters it was also a thing oh, where wow, i didn't know that you know the book was just yeah i think i have the ebook i don't think yeah no i didn't get the physical book but so women would get slaves and she just had so many chronicles because of course it's property so you could actually trace mm-hmm. back the property titles yeah. of these slaves so it'd be like oh here's your birthday gift a slave or oh you're about to have a daughter (laughs) or you know like you give your goddaughter gifts you give your goddaughter a slave so and this is supposed to be like uh, like this is a person who is supposed to be a companion to this yeah 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 yeah. white person but it's it's such an interesting dynamic just like in the book where it is this it's it's someone who raises you who takes care of you but you own them so you it goes through how little girls because it focuses a lot on the feminine dynamic so how Mm -hmm. little girls are taught to punish their slaves so even though they may be really nice to you sometimes if they do something wrong you should just order them a whipping or anything like that get your brothers to do it you can even do it sometimes if you want um punish them even if they don't do anything wrong it's just for you to draw that line of you are different from me and there were mm-hmm. moments where parents it was a part of i guess a coming of age for little white kids so the whole book was just so i i feel like it's the type of book that white feminists don't want you to read because the narrative is very strongly that women are docile women are caring and yeah white women are still white still very much awful and for me it's even more dangerous than 
men because I think we've always painted men as being overtly dangerous, whereas white women have gotten away for so long just they pretending to... They, they, they yeah. It's, it's like this weird or... veil of femininity that means that yeah. I, I can't do this. And it's like, you're more than capable. And it, you repeat the show that needs you to are. Be a... Yeah. Their racism is approachable. Yeah. I wrote yeah. a whole paper say... about this, I think, final... I mean, all of my final year history classes, and I'm I'm scared to read it, but because I hate reading essays as I write, but just looking Why? at, cause I always feel like years later, I like wow, understand it's like this don't make no sense, girl. It, well, for me, it's always like wow, that's very you could have done a lot more research than this. Yeah, yeah. So I had done a paper looking at black women, white women, and mixed race women in plantation societies and their different roles. It was really fun. I loved it. But the, this whole book was just so interesting to see how women... Because even Miss Bella would do it where she would talk about being bored and how she doesn't get to do what she wants and her husband is sleeping around and she's so bored yeah. in this Jamaican yeah. hot place and <laughs> oh, women are always me. <laughs> Look at what is wrong with these white people not bathing? Look at where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but it was, it was just it's that for cokes are for bed. That, that that line like how do you have that <laughs> intimate level like that level of intimacy i love that you use that word ashley that level of intimacy with someone else and still be so cruel i feel like that's a very uniquely white woman thing i, I don't know how they do it and I feel like this episode is going to come back to bite me in a few months or maybe a year. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, the truth is the truth, man. And you're not saying anything that is calling out a specific white person or uh... white woman. It's just... <laughs> okay. No, I've been hearing some very interesting things from people applying that you and women. So, no. Okay. Yeah. I don't like when you talk about the white feminists. So, but though we have to, guys, Bell Hook said that we can all be feminists, okay? You, no, Bell but Hook said feminism, feminism is for everybody. everybody. Chimamanda oh. says we can all oh, be feminists. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, we and, all be yeah, and Chimamanda has a very different idea of what feminism means than Bell Hooks. Mm -hmm. So. And um, I'm gonna lean over oh, to no. Sister Hooks on this one. How do you? <laughs> I don't see the, um, especially for white women and just people in positions of power. How do you not examine your positions, your position of power, and how that relates to other women? Like, that's the part about um, feminism and how it's sort of merged into mainstream pop culture there is or there seems to be very little just just very little questioning and interrogating of things like it's become um just about your ability to make choices and it's like all right that's cool but do you realize that your ability to make a certain choice about something is completely different from another woman's ability to even have that sort of choice like there's a whole lot of things that you need to think about but 
they just don't. Because yeah. nobody wants to confront, um, confront our, our positions and the sort of power that we have. And what it would mean if we no longer have those things. And I think uh, that's extremely important too because uh, it's the who am I without this attachment or this this uh, perspective of me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. who am I? Like, how do I strip myself from this identity that I've held on to for so long? And what are the repercussions of that? And I think, uh, I mean, it's scary to have like a critical analysis of self it's easier to just be like well i did the work and these are my rewards for it um i mean i know i heard that yeah and it's not you just know, in feminism Renny, you it's know that, literally anything you know that um oh hold on a second give me one sec oh <laughs> Yeah, um, I was actually gonna say that Franny, um, Franny sort of has a similar experience. Um, mm-hmm. One like one thing though, before we get back to the book, you guys know that Firebringer um, meme. Well, the, it's it's the video with the. Oh gosh, I'm going to send it to you guys later. It's, it's just the funniest thing, and it I, I need to download it actually and make fun of people with it. it it's this it's this clip from a musical where the white woman is singing and she's like, "I don't want to work, want to work today," <laughs> and it's just the most hilarious thing because that's literally all I think about when I see people who love the brand of feminism but they never actually want to do anything and it's a very deliberate thing for you to rebrand feminism to be this very capitalist this very equal sign foolishness Mm -hmm. because that way it becomes a lot less threatening to you It, it makes you less it makes you less accountable because you are saying that my choices in in and in itself is feminist because I'm a woman making this choice. And that in itself is fuckery because it's about tackling structural inequalities and your individual choices aren't doing that. So <laughs> whenever people do that, I just hear that meme in my head where it's like, I don't want to work, want to work today. And it's just like... <laughs> Like, and in the, there was a whole conversation about that happening. Um, I saw it. I did. I decided that I wasn't going to give Twitter any more free label. But I saw, you know, an entire conversation about, um, I guess, who can claim the word feminism and who can claim to be a feminist and who is allowed to be a part of. Um, feminist discussion i almost got dragged into that because i didn't see where it was coming from and then (laughs) the lord guided me away from it because it's legit fuckery i i i don't know i feel like it's almost every year it's the same fucking conversation Mm -hmm. like all the time and you know what i don't care do whatever you want to I, I really at this point I really don't fucking care at and if point, you feel like yeah. you can talk down to women because you read a book 
Anyways, the confessions of Fanny Langton. <laughs> After that long ass rant. Ready. What did you think about the writing style? And in the last episode, I was saying that Sarah Collins is very poetic. Mm -hmm. For a lawyer, too. <laughs> That's so bad that you have Sorry, to say for a lawyer. I know how that sounds, but lawyers love their legalese. So it was very interesting to see this very poetic prose. Um, just full of metaphors, full of simile, like Sarah Collins went to a literature class and said, yes, this is where I belong. Um, I thought the formatting at first was a little confusing, but then I realized what she was doing. She was um, uh, intertwining um, present day with um, with Franny's past so I thought that was really great um, I loved reading it it felt like such it had such a really good flow you know poetry is usually really good when it has a nice flow and rhythm that you could get into and I felt like um, Confessions of Franny Langton had that rhythm yeah I'm glad you like it I, I feel like this was one of those books where I read so quickly and then I was just waiting on everybody else to start fangirling over it as well. It took a very long time to read this book. And it's well, let me not say bad. quickly in terms of time because I did take my time with it. Mm -hmm. Just quickly in terms of I read it before everyone else in the book club. So I was just like, Jesus Christ, there's no one to talk to about this book. <laughs> what did you think about... Um, so actually, there's this part where Christina didn't mention that there's a schoolhouse. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. what a schoolhouse was. I wanted more of that. <laughs> so much more of that. So like a schoolhouse, well, I guess you would have seen this in the newsletter. So a schoolhouse is like a, is, is it just BD? It is Body just house. BDSM type house. <laughs> I don't uh, think it would just be that. Or, or I think there's maybe specialized in that. I think they were specialized because when she was talking about going to the, I'm saying headmistress. I don't feel like that's what it is, but it sounds very appropriate. When she went yeah, to the headmistress's yeah, yeah, yeah. office, there were books that were on whipping and BDSM and bondage and all sorts of stuff. And she was like, I've never read these books before. I'm like, go true, funny. Read everything. <laughs> So I thought that was very interesting because I did not see that coming at all in terms of the flow of the book. I did not see there will be BDSM in this book. Yeah, there, I didn't see this as a part of her journey. There will where... be whipping of white men in this book. But then um, I think one of the things that I loved about that particular scene is the women that were there, they... It was very clear that they found sort of like a home. Um, they found a space that was safe for them. Um, during that, um, the schoolhouse scenes, we met Sal. And Sal is a dark-skinned, um, formerly enslaved woman. I'm trying to remember 
where she came from. I don't remember, but her story is sort of similar to Franny in that her her master brought her to England and sold her off to another family. And so we see where she went to this, where she, she was kicked out, I think. Is that it? I think she was kicked out or something. And that's how she ended up at the schoolhouse and became dominatrix and all of that and i found i found it very great i found it very wonderful that these women found sort of a safe space for themselves and a way to take back their power and you mentioned it in book club during that um the podcast that you're reading and how some um how this black woman entered into bdsm and dominating white men and how that became sort of a portal for her um help me out here i'm losing my words hello i can hear you um i was just saying that i i i included it in the podcast not the podcast the newsletter newsletter and it's mm-hmm. fine if, if oh no, you do I read it you do i read it <laughs> Um, her name is what's it, Mistress? Fuck, I forgot her name. But um, it's the conflicts between having that space where you can take control and you get to beat white men in a very reparations. Reparationist, but then she talks about understanding that it's not really reparationist because it's not structural. Also, she still has to do a lot of care work and you are still doing service for white men, even though you are in a BDSM um, setting and you are the dominatrix in that setting. So, yeah. Mistress Velvet, that's her name. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So, her story is very interesting. To do that as well. And I Franny was, um, maybe not intentionally, but the the BDSM scenes or the whipping scenes, I think she was working out a lot of her own trauma that she didn't even realize. Um, or maybe, maybe trauma isn't the best word, but a lot of the hurt that she was feeling because she was kicked out by Miss Bella. Not Miss Bella. She was kicked out by Meg. And by this time, she would have been very much in love with Meg. And so... Um, kicking her out in the way that she did and even before that she found out that Meg is still in contact with Laddie. Laddie is a um, he's a fighter but before that he was um, Marguerite's houseboy or footman footboy some something um, I still think they service. were sleeping together yeah. I mean, when he was younger. Shit, that's the awful. Child. Yeah. He was, yeah. Um, and so she was dealing with a lot, and she didn't, uh, she didn't get any sort of way to process any of those emotions. So she's dealing with, fo- with feeling betrayed, um, with being kicked out, and having to um, make a life for herself in the dirty-ass England. And this would have been her first time um on her own ever since she was a child it would have been her first um go at trying to fend for herself and that's how she ended up at the schoolhouse and she found a little family there she 
found some amount of happiness. I don't know if I'd call it happiness, but she she sort of found um, she found a way to process all that was happening to her and kind of wean herself from Meg until Meg called her again. <sighs> like, I think Sal for me also just felt like a call back to Fibba's warning about bored bored white women being dangerous mm-hmm. because Sal did try to warn she her. Warned and warned her so many times like this relationship like, that you have with her it. is just so unhealthy you don't don't trust these white women and franny was just so in love it didn't matter uh but yeah i found the schoolhouse to be very interesting in terms of it, it felt to me like a metaphor of you thinking that you're like there, there's actually no structural change in terms of the power. The power dynamics is still very much with the customer, very much with the white men that come in. Uh, it has not been. Re- what just happened? You are looking at the Padmore Sorry. Center. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> my my apologies. <laughs> no worries. Oh yeah, so like the schoolhouse, like a lot of even the Mistress Velvet thing that was shared was it feels like a space where you think you can reclaim power, there's some autonomy, there's some control, but at the same time you operate in a larger system where you actually don't have much power. So there is this temporary reprieve that you have power, but that's not true and i think that was something that even franny realized but also using that space i thought was interesting in both the host for the heart uh, mistress velvet and franny worked through a lot of the trauma that they had trauma they had with white people yeah in that bdsm space so i thought that was very interesting about how bdsm and how sexual fantasies can be can reveal therapeutic. <laughs> yeah it can reveal also trauma yeah it can also be very therapeutic and if you told me that would have been in the book i'd have been like oh the fuck that dropping so, i don't think but the way she's strung um everything together it makes sense yeah um, franny had a interesting life and, and she I, wrote an interesting life about herself she really did she really did i was i'm remembering now that's um one of the reasons why, or well, the reason why um, Meg called her back to the host because Meg became pregnant with Laddie's child. And then um, they, Mr. Benham, he, uh, he not asked, he told Franny that Franny will be moving away. All of us will go there. Meg will have the child. They will take the child and we come back our yard. And... That sort of reminded me of the, well, not reminded me really, but um, just brought up back how um, black women um, during that time and even now were used as wet nurses and caregivers and providers and basically de facto mothers, not even mm-hmm. de facto, but actual mothers for white children or rich children. Um, and of course, one of the reasons why they didn't want to keep the child because the child would have come out to be um, a mulatto and... Obviously not your child. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> but can we talk about that, that, that 
I guess we can talk about the relationship between Benham and Franny yeah. as well. I said it in the Kingston meetup that it felt like he was amused by her in the way that people are amused by their dogs doing something that is yeah. pseudo-intelligent or something that shows yep. that my dog understands me. That's so cute. It's so charming. But at the same time, oh, it's still you. your pet. It's still You're still not human. You're not... I'm not going to take you seriously. We're not going to fucking have dinner together and discuss mm-hmm. world politics. Like, that's just not <laughs> how it works. You're still an amusing pet for me to keep around. And, and I, it's really just him um, almost uh, checking in on his experiment to mm-hmm. see how far along it progressed. Like, let me have a conversation with this um, with this thing and see how, how, how... How much it proves or disproves my theory and my hypotheses it was but again the funny thing about that is that franny was completely aware of all of this and she played into it and he never knew at all because he yeah and he did it also with meg as, as his wife where he mm-hmm. also treated her as another form of amusement and and at the same time Meg also played him so it was just so interesting to watch the the deception well in that whole household with Benham thinking he had the upper hand and also the way Benham is viewed outside of the household is not as the powerful man that he postures himself to be in his household household. it's a whole performance one big fucking performance yeah now that I look at it um, Sarah is doing a whole thing of, of showing how, um, how, in a sense, we're all performers, or, well, within the context of the book, anyway, that everybody had to perform their role. So Franny had to perform her role as the, as the, um, the dumb, dumb black girl. Um, Meg had to perform her role several times as the trophy wife who, um, only quips out very charming things here and there but outside of that or whenever we're out whenever they're no longer in high society company she's sort of stowed away and put back on the shelf and then when she's when she's on the shelf and she's bored that's when she draws her franny and then we see benham again who um within his household where he doesn't get the power outside he has to demonstrate that um that sort of I rule this castle um, thing within his household, and that's 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 a thing to be discussed. I've been reading um, or trying to read um, Judith Butler. She has an entire essay on gender as performance, which is an interesting. It's an interesting theory. Um, it's interesting to look at how um, we she posits that we're not who we really are but what we do when we're outside in when we're in public and even when we're in our own private spaces is perform these gendered um these gendered characteristics we sort of take it on um and play our role in society and we see that coming out in the story as well everybody trying to play their role in society but how even in trying to play your role who you are or you know whatever that is 
still sort of slips through the cracks and there's it's like a conflict in a way a conflict with the performance and who you are and your identity and what you're trying to do i was trying i was telling ashley earlier that the story is also a um it's like franny discovering herself and her identity um in several phases of her life especially once she got kicked out of um the Benham's house she is rediscovering herself and finding out more about herself and trying to figure out what her place is in this entirely new world. Yeah. Would you guys kind of uh, describe this book as almost like a coming of age story or no? Because we get a lot about, uh, I know that it goes back and forth with present day and past, but we get a lot about Franny and how she developed uh, as a like a as a person. So I don't know. Maybe, what, what are your thoughts not on that? Typical coming of age. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jaren? Uh, I, I feel like coming of age sadly has a very white limited. structure. It's it's a very mm. yeah. It's very limited to a very white experience, especially in literature and just in the arts. We tend to see coming of age as a very white experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it may be at the start, but it doesn't last very long. And that, that's actually a very interesting question about what does a coming of age look like for a slave girl. Because you don't really get much chance to be no, a girl. <laughs> so, like, when you don't I get the chance to be a human, much less a girl. Yeah, so I'm thinking about just the things that would have happened to Franny while she was still extremely young. Yeah. And I, I guess because that's we're still... introduced to her when she's like seven. And that's something that she's not even sure. To black women, black girls today, they're. What was I reading? Jeez, I don't remember what else. Oh, it was Thick, that that essay. Can't remember her name. She's a sociologist, but she's talking yeah. about. I actually, have that open right now. What's her name? The the author. Tracy Macmillan Cottom. Yes, she has this essay about black girlhood and black, and she said, "I'm totally going to miss black girlhood this now. interrupted." Yeah, she says black girlhood ends when another man says it does you don't mm. get the power to control your girlhood it it literally ends with another man telling you yep this is it you're now a woman yeah and i feel like that's something father, that is just very consistent boy. you see it with franny you see it today and i it's one of those things with patsy where all i could think about was please don't rape true like I am so tired of um, that being like a facet. Yeah, but it it just feels like it's going to happen. Like I'll be reading books and it's like, when is this going to happen? I was reading Cersei by Madeline Miller and white, white, it's Greek mythology, whatever, whatever. Um, But I got, I remember reading, I think I got, close to halfway through the book and I was like wow she hasn't been raped yet literally halfway through the book she gets raped and her thought was her own thought was I'm surprised it just happened to me 
Like oh. she thought it was something that would have happened to her. Like you don't, she was on the island by herself being all independent and ships would come and pass and whatever. And she just thought, I'm surprised I got this far in life and it didn't happen to me. And I, and I was thinking, holy shit, I'm surprised I got so far in a book with a woman as a protagonist and your body hasn't been violated. And it pisses me the fuck off that I expect that when I'm reading yeah. books because it's just yeah. a thing. Like your body just does not belong to you. Your, <laughs> your girlhood ends when another man says, yeah, a time. So I don't know if I'd call it a coming of age, but I'm reluctant to say that because I don't think we've really truly defined what coming of age looks like for the experiences of non-white John Green type stories. Yeah. So while I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it coming of age, but I definitely say that we're, that we, we watch Franny discover different parts of herself and in very small doses she gets to explore a lot of her curiosities so that that's what I'd say but coming of age as Jeremy said I don't know if I don't know if we can actually use that yeah and it may actually just be the part of the book that you're at because if it was just that part then yeah I definitely would but as it gets further down, because I think she gets the when she's in England, she's in her probably early she's 20s? In her teens. Or oh, late teens? Yeah, yeah. Late yeah, teens? Yeah. So I think she's maybe like 18. 18, 19? Like 18 going on 19. That kind oh, of thing. okay. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know. It, it's such a hard thing for me to say because the type of experiences that she has is not something a teenager should ever have at yeah. all or a human obviously because you know slavery <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other things it's just like it, it it's so hard because my mind frame is like this is what coming of age looks like and it does not look like this even though it could possibly look like this as well because a lot of these experiences are the reality for a lot of girls especially black girls so yeah that was frightening to me how little the world has changed because this book is set in the 1800s and there's still yeah. very twisted ideas about black people black people work ethic um well ethics around work because that work ethic means something else um but just that whole thing it just felt like so many things have changed and nothing has changed at the same time like if we drop it into 2020 it would still hold up in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that bothered me and i love i love this book so fucking much mm-hmm. the I... trial scenes were very interesting too oh they were hilarious <laughs> um what's his name jessup yeah Mr. Jessup. Jessup was a character. He was a character. He, he was, was the... he was the helpful white man. So he was an ab- ab- abolitionist. Okay, I can't answer. Sorry. Wasn't Jessup the 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 the, 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 the lawyer? No, or am I mixing yeah. him up? not her lawyer though. Her lawyer was Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. And they. Oh right, right, right crown lawyer let's call him that the lawyer for the crown he was jessup 
Okay. I don't I'm I mean I'm really looking forward to finishing this book. It 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 sounds you guys described it really well. Um while reading while listening to it. I was very intrigued by it or I am very intrigued I think by it. I think I'm gonna I think you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Fanny's incredibly frustrating because she's so intelligent and so in love. <laughs> so in love with the wrong person. <laughs> like I'm looking at her with my twenty first century eyes and I want to reach in the book and just be like, Girl, the fuck you doing? Like, <laughs> this woman don't love you. You are a side chick at best. Oh, like, what was the age dynamic side chick or the age gap? What do you mean? Why would I call her side chick? No, I said I wouldn't even call her. Oh, side chick. like she barely cuts it as a side chick. I think. Yep. Meg is definitely older. Meg is. Meg gives me like. How old do you think Meg is? I, I feel like she gave I me like. In her forties. Yeah, she gave me like a thirties, forties vibe. Mm-hmm. Like okay. early forties. Yeah. Because she knew Laddie, they had Laddie. Although, when you think about it, Mr. Benham could have married her when she was very young. Yeah, I mean, this is the era of Jane Austen, so maybe Maybe she's younger. She really could have been 16 when she got married. (laughs) So, she could, actually, I think she's probably in her 30s. You'd still say 30s. I'd say 30s. Yeah. Yeah. But Meg's character is one where she's just constantly bored, and she she can she pulls on Franny when she when she's bored, and Franny loves that. <laughs> it's like it's just like a typical abuser, I think, where you treat you like shit ninety percent of not just ninety ninety nine percent of the time, and that one percent are really nice to you. And because uh-huh. you haven't felt that sort of treatment from me in a very long time, you sort of cling to it. So every mm-hmm. time I'm doing something bad to you, you remember that 1%. And I think that was what was happening with Franny. She kept remembering mm-hmm. that 1% when Meg would hold our breast them and kiss them. And she's like, <laughs> oh, I just can't. I just want more. I just want more. But it was mm-hmm. very sad. It was very sad to listen to. It's frustrating to me. Though we all have that story. <laughs> sure. Ha ha ha. I hope not. Gosh, I hope not. That sounds relatable still. Also, I mean, what type of relationship did she have with Fibble? Because where I'm now. It's not necessarily like good emotionally binding, you know, like it's just okay, I'm gonna show you the ropes and this is how you act as a, a black woman, a young black woman. Oh, why would you want to emotionally space. bind like why would you want to emotionally like why would you try to get a connection like that with your child? Like in a in a space like that, knowing that you're in that environment. I, I just yeah, keep I thinking mean, that type of family yeah. dynamics is yeah. I 
think it was intentional on Fibber's part. I think so. I think that was how she knew you're going to survive. If you show affection yeah. to her, then Miss Bella is just going to find some way to wield that against you. That was the vibe I got from it. But she yeah. still did, though. Yeah. When, did, because, but... so it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you do you do see moments of her being affectionate, but it's it's the same. I'm gonna treat you bad ten times, or kind of treat you harshly ten times, but then the eleventh time, I'm gonna be nice to you because she talks about like, um, sitting down beside her when she's shelling the peas and she's giving her some straight peas and like there's a there she's she she shares stories with her whenever she feels like when she have on her storytelling voice, and so there's that connection but it's almost like it's arm's length because of the situation there's a part of the book that i highlighted with fibba um or well franny was remembering something fibba told her about having a child and how you sort of hate your child and (laughs) what is it it was very profound though i think that she was saying that you hate them a lot um until there's this one moment where you really love them and during that moment where you love them you hate yourself for hating them so much um mm. but i think what she was trying to get to um especially on a plantation and having a child on a plantation and sort of having a child against your will too cuz i think that was the that would have been the case with fibber yeah um having a child against your will um and then being completely separated from that child, um, never sort of being able to create any sort of bond. And then I would assume that also that Fibba, Fibba knows the ropes of the plantation. She knows um, what to expect, what not to expect, what can happen. And she probably all knows that Miss Bella is a terrible piece of woman. And maybe any sort of relationship that she would have developed with um, with Franny where it seemed too close or seemed too intimate, Miss Bella would have probably been ten times worse. Hmm. Well, I mean, so my original point was that you can understand when you find somebody who shows you an inkling of, you know, like, attention and you just kind of latch on to that person because if you're starved from that in other aspects of your life, even if the person yeah. treats you badly, you're just gonna be like, "Oh, this yeah. I've never felt this a, before." She did want a mother figure. She really did. In her formative yeah. years, she wanted that yeah. sort of closeness. Yeah, so it's understandable, even though you know, like us as a reader, you know the outcome, and you're just like also. Girl, you see, we have uh, different vantage points than the character. So we're just like, yo, she don't have your best interest at heart. Yeah. I just have to keep reminding myself I'm looking at this story with 21st century eyes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even the in- interaction between Fibber when she suggested that Franny should be flogged for destroying the book, I was just like, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> but, I was so confused by that, but I feel like I feel like that's just one she was almost know. bluffing. I don't know if she and was bluffing. And then the lady, that Miss Bella, took her up on her offer. 
That was my interpretation of it. I don't know if she's bluffing. I feel like that's just how we're... Like, we are still taught that's how you... That's how you tell kids that they did something wrong. Mm. You, it's still very much corporal punishment. But I mean... It, it's... 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 It's it's a very different level of corporal punishment in a plantation setting. I just mm-hmm. don't think she expected it to be that level of that level Fair of enough. fuckery. I, I don't know. That's all I got from it. <laughs> I I don't know. I I I I really liked that at the end of this book. I just kept on wanting to for the first time ever because I. Before this, I absolutely hate reading books about... I've, I actually slave hate reading narratives. books about slave narratives. I hate it so much. It's I hate it with a passion. But at the end of this book, I just kept on wanting more. I just kept on wanting what was Fibba's story? Like, what was Sal's story? What was Laddie's story? And then really drilling in the idea that all these slaves, all these, rather, all these enslaved people would have had their own lives, had their own stories, had their own personalities. They would have made decisions or they would have been forced to make decisions that created who they are. And I love that about the way Sarah Collins wrote this because I just kept on wanting, I wanted to know more about these people. I actually wanted to read more slave narratives. But when she writes it, no one else. (laughs) (laughs) Is this her first book? Yes. Nice. Yeah. I think it's such a brilliant debut. I I don't know. I feel like she should feel very pressured. Or she probably does feel very pressured coming out with a sophomore book after this. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. excited for her next book. I was watching an interview. I don't even finish the interview yet. Um, I was watching an interview where she was saying that at one point she was just so overwhelmed that she almost quit writing the book. (laughs) I was just like... What? I'm trying to imagine. <laughs> like, Not being how... able to read this yes. book. Yes. <laughs> what? Like, I don't want to live in a world where this book doesn't exist. This book is so important. I wasn't even halfway through the book and I flipped to the back of it just so I could see the reference notes and whatever notes she decided to include to write the story. Like, oh, this is the research I did. Like, this book is so fucking important. I think it should be on our high school syllabus. Like, is she Jamaican? Yeah, so she was born in Jamaica, moved to Cayman, and then moved to the UK. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I would really love if this was on the Seasick and Cape yeah. syllabus. Just remove the Jane Austen. What could we bump off? Jane Austen. And we didn't read Jane Austen. That's on the current syllabus. I read... Pride and Prejudice in Jesus. Sixth Form. Oh, in Sixth Form late. We read... Oh, they could take off um, House of the Seven Gables by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, or any sort of like Shakespeare. They could have taken that off. I don't even get why we read Shakespeare plays when we have... I don't know, there are so lots of... So many great Caribbean plays. Yeah, I've I seen a few Caribbean playwrights sometimes, but I think overwhelmingly the syllabus is... If you're going to learn theatre, you learn Shakespeare. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And we read two... In, in sixth form, we did two British plays. 
so we did Shakespeare and we did another one, Long Day's Journey Into Night. I think yeah, both so my Kate books were British. Both my Cape Theatre books were Shakespeare, actually. You did Cape Theatre? No, um, Theatre for Literature. Yeah, drama. Drama, oh. whatever that was. Oh. Like, I think they're only Shakespeare. I only read Shakespeare when I was reading theatre pieces. Is... I remember doing Othello, but I can't remember the other. I can't remember what other book we did. I didn't do literature in sixth form, but we did Fences, to be and you. that was really good. Sixth form literature was really good enough. Sixth form literature changed my life. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I was thinking when I chose my subjects. I wanted to be a doctor at that at that time in my life, and so I just mm-hmm. did like. That's what bio. I just did. It would it have more sense. You'd probably choose different subjects. Let me not say more. I really That's wanted to do history, you know? But then people scared me and nope. said that nobody passes it. Nope. Yeah, no one passes it. No, people that. pass it, you know, but... Or no one gets one. That's lot. what I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... I think I would Let choose the same what subjects. what happened with Cape history. Cape history is yeah. very dense, right? And mm. one, our teacher was extremely annoyed with us all the time. And why come in she'd also come in with like six different stacks of notes for us to read and we just never did you know it was a lot I oh so that's why she was annoyed because you guys just never read the stuff um that's, so she tried uh, to do her job yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, these little bad work picked them don't give a fuck about them education you know the miss who read no, it was from them time no, there. She, okay, she was cool. Very wow. mercurial. <laughs> she was very mercurial teacher. I'm sorry. She was very mercurial. So some days she'd come in and just be extremely annoyed. And just She's probably there. just like um, Shirley from Girl of Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't look at teachers they different. Teach, you know. They need to teach sixth form um, history differently, I think. I think we need to teach history overall differently. It's dense. It was really dense. It was a lot of information to cover in a couple months. But I mean, if that's what the syllabus uh, is, what that's what's on the syllabus, and it it's required that you guys know this, then how can they make it less dense? I think the approach though to history in general is uh, not good. It's it's. uh, Hmm, how I even put it into words. But it's just like there's this crap ton of information that you need to know and everything is important. All of the dates are important. All the events are important. I love reading history now. I'm perfectly fine with reading anything about history right now. I I didn't do history in high... I did history in high school up until third form. And I didn't do it again until I went to UA. Smart. <laughs> and I, I absolutely history. adored history at UA. I, if I was wealthy and I could redo my life, I would have just done a degree in history. Master's, de- undergrad, that. master's, PhD, and I would do it just for the fun of it. Because <laughs> the fuck are you going to do with that? in this economy kind of professor no i don't want to teach people i was i said i was wealthy i'm not 
<laughs> you write books. Yeah. <laughs> books. And make sure that they're on high school curriculums. Oh, like, gosh. <laughs> cough, cough, Hillary, cough, cough, Beckles. You know, got this Hillary Beckles though, still. I quite enjoy reading Hillary Beckles' books, especially I'm just his, saying. I don't know how him get the time. To, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he gets the time to do anything because he has written so many books. And right? They are in my untrained eye so well written. I disagree with him with a lot of his opinions on cricket history, but it's fine. It's, it's great. It's it's wonderful to have it as a resource. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to go back Pretty to Bookland. Cheap. There, there's this whole room of just sports history books there, and they're like really cheap. So it's a very unbrand thing. What is my brand? I thought this Your was my brand. brand. Is perfect history. <laughs> wow, that's so lame. <laughs> that's that is so lame. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the indie bookstore to get. A- Anyways, we've been talking for hours. There's no timestamp on this one. Oh. Oh, I see. It's it's 137 minutes on this recording. And we have other recordings. Yes. What do you guys think about this this, um, episode? What do I think about it? It it was ranty. I I feel (laughs) like a lot of it going to have to get cut. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's gonna happen. Quite a few. Yeah. Snips, snips. Yeah. But let's just wrap up this book. Um would you guys I know you haven't finished yet, Ashley, but do you see yourself reading another book from Sarah Collins? I can't say to be honest. Not I can't say just now. Mm-hmm. Um I like what I've read so far. Um, but uh, I would love to see her tackle a different genre. Mm. Yeah. I, d- I don't really read a lot of slave narrative type books. I know this is different. These are different um, perspectives. But I'd love to see her do something else for her sophomore book. She hasn't said what her sophomore book is going to be on yet, but I am definitely interested in reading it, regardless of the genre or what the subject matter is, just because Mm -hmm. it's very obvious that there's quality research that goes into the work that she's doing stylistically. She has, she's leaps and bones a hell of a lot of writers who's been doing this for years and publishing for years, so... I am I'm very confident that whatever she comes out with next, if it's anything close to this or if it's better, and I'm 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 excited to read it. Like I will pre-order whatever that thing is, and I'm excited. I'm excited that I'm excited that a Jamaican author is doing this. I'm sad that this probably wouldn't have happened if she stayed in Jamaica. In terms of publishing and getting the type of recognition, yeah. I really wish we had sad. that type of industry that we we don't have to be exporting writers or writers can mm-hmm. feel like they can come to Jamaica and get this type of work yeah. done. And I don't mean the writing, I mean the whole publishing process. 
So mm-hmm. I'm excited and I'm also it also makes me very sad when I see that we export so many writers. So yeah, I'm I, I'm definitely going to read also what the heck she comes out with next. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it's her her the level of research that she puts that she clearly put it put into Confessions of Fanny Langton that's making me um interested and waiting for her next book because as you said I feel like whatever it is that she's writing that she's going to ensure that she's armed with enough knowledge to create a well thought out um, story um, well thought out characters so waiting on that book Sarah. Weren't we supposed to um, have a meeting with her? Is that still possible? Yeah I, I really do want to. She said she had some deadlines to meet this weekend so, uh, so she hadn't gotten back to me with a date, but she's excited to do it. Hopefully, we can figure out this online podcast talking thing. Because, yeah, she seems really cool. And I, um, I'm not usually intimidated by people's intelligence, but I am quite intimidated by hers. Yeah. <laughs> what is intimidating? Intimidating in a good way, intimidating in an exciting way. Okay. Yeah, it's not intimidating in an. I'm. I'm. I'm I, I feel like retreating. It's intimidating in a challenging, exciting, and I might say fuckery, and that person is going to correct me, and I'm excited for that moment to happen. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I. I don't know. Book club wise, I don't know what when we're ever going to meet again. <laughs> Yo. Yep. Yeah, them just locked down all for the next two weeks. So. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm predicting that Zoom? we'll be having Zoom meetings for a while. I'm excited about that. Um, the online meetings that we've had so far have been, well, really good. The Girl with Another One was really fun. Um, okay. So... And Christina, you're hosting Crossfire's meeting? Uh, I don't know if I dreamed asking this or no, if it yeah. actually No, no, did. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So you, you'll do that. Um, yeah. Ashley, have you started Crossfire? Nope. Girl. You said no. two months time? Uh, no, no, I'm gonna read it. Is this like, <laughs> uh, is, can no. I, I really do or... wish there was an audiobook, though. I think that'd be. I tried looking for it on Scratch. There was none. And nice, I, bad. But I feel like there, because it's a compilation of a lot of her poems from 1998, oh, I think. Or wow. To the more recent ones, because there are references to Trump in there. Um, yes. So what I'll probably what I'll probably try to do is look for clips of her performing and just try to do like a playlist. So even if you don't read it, you'd have gone through a lot of the poems. Um, but it's I realize that a lot of like interest for the book club book happens after the book club meeting. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think people just see the tweets and the the Instagrams about it and go, huh? I'm gonna read that. Yeah, I mean, which is cool. I'm I'm yeah. I'm really happy that 
a lot more Jamaicans are reading and reading the Sarah Collins reading authors who write these type mm-hmm. of stories. Yeah. You know if Kingston Bookshop replenish them stock yet? I doubt it. I think they would have said something. I don't know. I'll ask her. Okay. Anyways, let's end this session. How do we normally end this? How do we even end these? <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. Ashley was supposed to write a script. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, no, David, I don't. So, don't know how to end Thanks for either. tuning in. <laughs> tuning in. What, what year is this? Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining and listening to Like a Real Book Club. Um, you should check out our website because then you can get a link to the newsletter that we talked about for a bit. You can also find on the website or library if you are in Jamaica that allows you to borrow some books and have them delivered to you. We're still trying to get some books out despite what's happening in the covid world. world that we're living in now um books can be very com- comforting and we've been cloroxing the books and we encourage you to do the same when you get them so yeah there's the library you can also because a lot of people ask all the time and i think we talked about this challenge as well in terms of just getting the books here um despite sending the book list to a lot of bookstores sometimes they just don't have the books so you can also order books that we are reading every month on the website uh, you can do subscription you can get the individual books and you can have them sent to you for book club so you just get it the book club meeting right before or it can be sent directly to you so that's rebelwomenlit.com and if you like this podcast, we've been getting really good feedback. It's it's really sweet. You guys are the kindest people. Uh, you can make a comment if you're listening on iTunes. I know most of our listeners use iTunes. You can just do a comment and tell us what you like about the show. So is there anything else? Am I forgetting anything? Oh, and if you subscribe to the newsletter, then you get links for when we will actually host book club. And if you are anywhere around the world, you'll be able to join in for that discussion and talk to us about the books and meet the other book club people outside of Christina and Ashley and myself. Stay safe. Stay clean. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing. Practice physical distancing. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of just anxiety in the air. Too much happening. Too much. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you guys at book club where Christina will be hosting Crossfire and a discussion with that. I'm excited because whenever Christina hosts book club, we get question lists and coming in like class and sing them nice (laughs) no pressure all right well talk to you guys soon bye wow (laughs) christina i think i think we just closed the tab yeah yeah maybe we'll just close the window bye guys all right see you at the club night